for all things, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs. It's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. It is Red Friday ahead of the AFC Championship game. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwert. Guys, I am already so nervous. My palms are sweating. We talked about it before we even started recording. Where are we at? How, where is our, our nervous level? I'm usually pretty good until about an hour or two before the game where I'm just That's like, hey, you know, you know what? Uh, this is one of the benefits of uh, having kids and being busy. It's like there's just stuff to do, things that keep you busy. It doesn't matter, right? Tuesday, we spent two and a half hours of dance. Thursday, you've got soccer practice. Now, Friday is the first time I don't really have something in particular. And then there's like a game and all that stuff, you know, like, so there's enough stuff that like eats up the week that makes it feel like it goes pretty quick. But I'm excited because we've we've amped up a lot of games, but because of the history between these two teams, this feels like the biggest AFC championship game they've played since they played the Patriots. The Patriots won because of the dynasty, who they were, Tom Brady, but this one feels bigger than that because of everything that's happened over four years. The more history you've got, the more you've got in play. And Cincinnati talking trash, it's starting to feel like this game is massive. Yeah, Kayla, I'm I'm with you. I'm uh, like my palms are sweaty, my knees are weak, my arms are heavy. Mom's okay, spaghetti. there's actually you can't see. It. There's, <laughs> some, there's some vomit on my sweater. My mom made spaghetti earlier. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Nick, do you look like Eminem? No. Yeah. Just JT. Okay. Just, just, just Justin Timberlake, you know. M- Eminem's not quite on on JT and I's level. Right. Do you think do you think Justin Timberlake will be in Arizona if the Chiefs get to the Super Bowl? I'd like to have a second run in no, with him. Where no, this time he, he doesn't he, say I look like shit. He's domesticated, man. He's 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 married. He's got kids. Like I don't think he's he's going to Super Bowl parties. Uh, but you know what? Maybe not this year. But when it's in Vegas next year, that's it. Everyone <gasps> will show up for that one. Every single person imaginable. This is true. We're getting too out of. We're getting ahead of our skis here a little. We bit. are. <laughs> Let's yeah. That's rain fair. it. Rain it back in. All right, we're all very anxiously awaiting Sunday. But guys, let's talk legacy. How much does this game matter for Patrick Mahomes' legacy? It it has a huge impact. Yeah, it has a huge impact on it. It just does. He's already historically having one of the single greatest starts in NFL history. That is inarguable. He's going to have two MVPs by the time this season's over. He will have appeared in five AFC title games. But think about how different it sounds to say he's been to two Super Bowls in five years and only won one. Or he's been to three Super Bowls in the last four seasons, even just winning this game. Getting to that many Super Bowls is a massive accomplishment. I understand that the Super Bowl legacy would be a whole other conversation like, oh God, don't fall into the Jim Kelly realm of you lose too many Super Bowls. But because he has the ring, he's protected in the actual game. But because all five of these has been at home, I think there's a big swing here. And I think the public wants to start swinging this thing towards Burrow the same way they did Allen but he can cement himself is the single greatest five-year start almost by just getting a second Super Bowl this year. And it starts with this game. I think a lot of people are, you know, it's 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 probably the best way to describe it is like the way they do with LeBron or to a point Tom Brady. But I think it happened with other quarterbacks where good accomplishments start sounding bad. 
You're like, oh, you've only been to five straight AFC title games. You only went to two Super Bowls. You're like, wait, five straight AFC title games is an accomplishment. But it starts to sound worse because Patrick Mahomes is so great, you do judge him differently. You got to win more of these than you lose. And I think that that's why it's so, so massive. Yeah, I, I sort of hate doing it because it feels like the LeBron conversation or like, uh, you know, in, in golf, when a guy has a bunch of second place finishes at the Masters at the U.S. Open, they'll say, ah, oh, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Can't quite get yeah. over the hump and, and get that win. But the reality of that, LeBron going to the finals every year or a guy finishing second is that it's really, really hard to win. But you know how you win is you constantly give yourself chances to do that. Because for 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 the guys like LeBron and the great golfers, whether it's like Rory McIlroy or, or whoever you want to throw in that mix and say, well, man, they I feel like they should have more hardware for how good they've been, is that there are 10 million guys who are never knocking on the door, who are never going to AFC championships or NBA finals or on the top five at a major golf leaderboards. Mahomes is giving himself a chance every single year. And I would much rather have that than have a guy like Matthew Stafford who only gets one chance, gets the ring, and never knocks on the door again. But you're right, Cody. With the with the with the all of the praise that we heap on Mahomes about him being the best quarterback or the, maybe the one of the greatest quarterback talents ever is that you do have to sort of start comparing him to the other guys who have had that moniker. And whether that's fair or unfair, that's simply how we do it in the NFL. And because he has that one, it does lessen the blow a little bit. But I would ask you, how long does that last for? Because we did it with Aaron Rodgers for a while. And then after, you know, seven or eight years, and everybody else on on that Super Bowl roster is gone, and then it's just him, and you've got a brand new team, and maybe a new coach, and you're running a new offense, and the rest of the division looks different that pressure starts to to build up again. And you say, when's he going to get that second one, right? When's he going to add to it? Because for a guy as talented as Aaron Rodgers has been, four MVPs, only one Super Bowl feels a little hollow, even though that even sounds silly to say. But when you're comparing him to the greats, you hold him to expectations you don't hold anybody else to, which is why it only applies to him. You wouldn't say it about Burrow. You wouldn't say it about Josh Allen. You wouldn't say it about any other quarterback currently playing except for Patrick Mahomes, because that's how we've always talked about him. Well, he's different. It's, 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 it's fair because he is different. I, I think it's important. Like the thing you said about where, like, you know, getting a second Super Bowl. you get two, you are one of 12 quarterbacks in NFL history. Get to a third, you're one of five. Because, so, and, I mean, and Cody, and that's why it matters because we don't, none of us are going to be content and Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be content just Having the one Super Bowl and just being a guy who had a really nice career but didn't want to talk hardware. No, the expectations for everyone, himself included, is like, let me get three or four of these things. Well, if you get to three, you were one of five quarterbacks in NFL history, and they're all the names you know. It's Tom Brady. It's Joe Montana. It's Terry Bradshaw. The kind of, like, the great dynasties. Those are the guys who have that. It's actually Troy Aikman, who people mostly mock for those, but it's the great (laughs) dynasties. Like, to me, that's the other part of the legacy stuff that we can include in this. Because just to be clear, if Mahomes wins this game and then wins a Super Bowl, he will have two Super Bowls in five years, and we can reignite the dynasty conversation. Because if they win it next year, then it's a whole other thing. And then he gets to be a part of a very small grouping of people in which that is even plausible. The problem is, 
if it were any other quarterback you were up against, I would feel like it'd be less of a ding against his legacy. Like if it was just some dude who got through somehow and it was his Joe Flacco year, so what? But Joe Burrow's only in his third year as a starter and he is trying to go to his second consecutive Super Bowl. So that's a ding on you too. That part of it. Because if it were any other, if it were Josh Allen, I don't even think we'd be having the same conversation if it were Josh Allen. But Burrow got past you last year. He went to the Super Bowl last year and that's part of it. Okay, can I throw a hypothetical at you guys? I like it. Us. Okay, so you're in the AFC Championship game, which means you're once again very close to getting to a Super Bowl and potentially winning one. Yeah. If I told you, you get two scenarios. First one is, I would guarantee you the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year. Guarantee you they win the Super Bowl this year. But Patrick Mahomes never wins another Super Bowl the rest of his career. Or door number two is every other scenario where they might win the Super Bowl this year. They may win multiple or they may not win it this year. And then you don't know whatever happens in the future. Which door are you opening Two. I think he's getting more than two. I don't, you know, I'm hell, I'm not settling for just two. so you're guaranteeing one and then none after that, or you're saying, but he's just saying like, just play out could be a possibility like, can... any other year. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but like, because here's, let me give you a little- You're not wiping out this too. year, right? You're just saying like, normal life exists and we yeah. just have to see how it plays out. Let me, let me throw you a, a scenario. Okay? I don't like either scenario. Okay. <laughs> because the thing is about, about not guaranteeing, any, guaranteeing anything this year is, we don't know what Travis yeah. Kelsey looks like in two or three years when he's 35 years old, right? We don't know what the, the next crop of receivers that the Chiefs draft or what's going to happen with Chris Jones or Orlando Brown Jr., right? There's a lot of unknowns that come with the future. So- that's the only reason why I think I, I'm with you. I think I probably take door one, but I think I probably take door two. Excuse me, but there is something nice in the security of just saying yeah. well, two Super Bowls is still really damn good. But he's too good for two Super Bowls. I think so too. I think so too. Okay. Well, really quick follow up, guys. Is it fair to say that whoever wins the game will have earned the title of best quarterback in the NFL between Burrow and Mahomes? Uh, okay. I I know that. <laughs> People are going to be like, this is a Chiefs podcast. I'm like, no, let's just put on your normal human brain. Yes. You're an idiot if you think <laughs> that Joe Burrow's a better quarterback, and it's fairly obvious. This, people sometimes think that if you say your guy can't be number one, I'm saying he stinks. That is not what I'm saying. Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in the entire NFL. A nice honor. He is, even if he wins this game, not the best quarterback in the NFL. Play out every scenario you want. Okay, let's say Joe Burrow wins this game and then wins the Super Bowl. Okay, so he's got three years in his belt. He's got one Super Bowl win and two division titles. Patrick Mahomes would have three division titles, a Super Bowl win, and three AFC title appearances in his two years. Okay, and by the way, a winner in every statistical metric. More yards, more touchdowns, less picks. Okay, so good start. Let's say Joe Burrow wins and then loses the Super Bowl. Well, then he doesn't have shit. All he has is a win in the AFC title game, no MVPs, and no Super Bowl wins. Neat you played in it, Joe, but you're not Patrick Mahomes, who in his first three years as a starter appeared in two Super Bowls and won an MVP and won a Super Bowl and had all the statistical stuff that we just talked about. There's just no way. I think you're just doing mental jump ropes to try to do, to, to do the sports talkie thing. Like, let's crown the new champion. And you're like, that's not it. Stafford was never the better quarterback than Mahomes just because he won a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow is not the better quarterback than Mahomes just because he did either. Yeah, what are we? Why are we doing this? Is it is it just because Burrow beat him last year, and because Burrow is on the cusp of going to two straight? Because you're right, Cody. When those guys, whether it was Matt Stafford, Joe Flacco, Ben Roethlisberger, when those guys won Super Bowls, 
Nobody ever accused them of being the best quarterback in the NFL. Never. I mean, that wasn't even a talking point from the pundits on TV. But for whatever reason, people are just ready to anoint Joe Burrow that guy if the Bengals win. And I just don't understand it. Are we just ignoring what happened this season? Are we ignoring our eyes? Because I struggle to find anything that Joe Burrow is better at than Patrick Mahomes other than maybe accuracy. Like Joe Burrow, that may be like his one trump card over every quarterback in the NFL. I think he might be the most accurate thrower in the league. But like every other part of the game, I feel like Mahomes has the edge over Burrow. And that's not a knock on Burrow. Like me saying Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in the NFL only to a guy who's a transcendent talent. It's not a knock on Joe Burrow. I assure you. It's just that Patrick Mahomes is that freaking good. Are we running out of things to talk about? Is that what it is? Is it that we just get tired of saying the same thing every year? But I think that's honestly it. I think people get tired of saying it. And especially the guys who go on TV every day. They have yeah. to have an opinion. It gets old to just say every single day for five years, yep, Mahomes is still the best. Oh, yeah, he's still the best. Oh, he lost. Yeah, he's still the best. But that's the truth. I don't know why we have to be so reactionary and just say, whatever just happened, that's the new thing. It's just not how it works. I never get tired of saying it or hearing it. I don't think it's true. It's cool. I, I, will <laughs> say I will say this. I think this game, though, even despite that, Cody, you said earlier this is the biggest AFC championship game they've played in since the the Patriots won. Yeah. I think this is the biggest game the Chiefs have played in since Super Bowl 54, the one they won. Whoa. I think it's the biggest game because coming back the next year, you were coming off a Super Bowl, right? So even though it was gut-wrenching to lose to the Bucs the way they did, or even in the AFC championship game like against the Bills, if you would have lost that game against the Bills, you won the Super Bowl last year. You lost to the Bucs, you won it the year before. Coming into last year, uh, the Bengals, I still think you're, you're still riding the, the idea that you went to two straight Super Bowls and you're still the team to beat in the AFC. This is the one that would supersede all of those because if you do lose this game, I think I speak for all three of us, there's going to be some part of you inside that goes, all right, like maybe this isn't the team to beat in the AFC anymore. Maybe the Chiefs are now for the first time in the Mahomes era looking up at somebody else in the AFC. That's why... I do think it's not for Mahomes, but for the Chiefs and where their kind of standing is as the king of the AFC. Guys, what is the biggest lesson the Chiefs should have learned from their previous losses to the Bengals? Okay, so we'll be corrected on uh, Sunday. Uh A couple of choices here uh, because they're all (laughs) super frustrating. One, there's two that stand out to me. Try scoring in the fourth quarter. Just give it a try. Please. Put it on for size, see how it fits, see if you like it, you know, actually attempt a fourth quarter score. Because in one of the games, the most recent one, they actually had a big third quarter. There was a chance it felt like Cincinnati was going to take control of that regular season game. Kansas City fired third quarter, 14 points in control, had the ball, and then Kelsey fumbled. But again, nothing in the fourth quarter, nothing in the fourth quarter of the other two games, and it fell up. But I actually think the bigger lessons is, Their offensive line stinks, and you should treat them as much. You should treat them like the bad offensive line that they are. And look, maybe last year you couldn't take advantage of it because, simply put, you were the third-to-last sack team in the NFL. You didn't have the horses. 
This year, you get sacks from everywhere. And I know people want to say like, oh, it must be all the linebackers or the corners. And they do get plenty of sacks for theirs. Pretty much everybody who plays linebacker for this team or corner has at least one and a half sacks. But they have the fifth most from the defensive line, too. It's not just those guys. Chris Jones with his 15 and a half. Karloftis with six. Frank Clark is playing Frank. He's here. Like, they have to take advantage of what was a, a mediocre offensive line anyway, who got worse because of injury when it is actually one of your strengths this year. Maybe not every year it is against a bad offensive line, but that's the lesson I learned. Actually take advantage of having a matchup that works in your favor on the field. For me, it's it's self-inflicted mistakes. I think that's sort of broad, but it applies to all three games. You mentioned the Kelsey fumble. I think the game of those three that obviously stings the most is going to be the AFC Championship game from last year. Yeah. And that was and that was Mahomes, right? That was Mahomes sort of not being able to be patient in the second half and playing into what the Bengals wanted them to do. I think it was was it was it Joe Mixon when he was talking about the the Bengals being the top dog that said if we if we play our game and don't turn the ball over, we'll win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Or or something. I'm paraphrasing a little bit there. Uh guess who else that applies to? The Chiefs. If the Chiefs don't turn the ball over and play their game, they'll win. They'll win. Oddly enough, the one game where they didn't turn the ball over against the Bengals was the regular season game last year. Unfortunately, they allowed Jamar Chase to have one of the most ridiculous games in NFL history by a wide receiver. This is probably um, of note in this, though, Nick, is that the last time Jamar Chase had seven catches for 95 yards in, in the regular season game this year, he had to work for it. I went back and watched it. Somebody had pointed it out. They're like, look at the stat line, but actually watch. They made him work for it. It wasn't easy. It was like a grind it out. Here are the yardage you're going to have to get. You're going to have to earn this. It's fine. You're Jamar Chase. You're going to get seven for 95. Okay. But it wasn't like that game where just Jamar Chase caught every single pass above Shervary's Ward's head. So, and that's the thing. I don't, I mean, Jamar Chase might get his, but this secondary has proven they're wildly improved over last year. Oddly enough, even though the Chiefs have lost three of these games, we've talked about the blown leads. I think the biggest lesson you learn is from the things you did well, not the Mm -hmm. things that went wrong, the things you did well. Because when you were playing your game, you were beating the Bengals. And I think the thing to remember about that for the Chiefs is, even though this team's beaten you three times, I don't think, even though you're obviously going to try and execute... There's no need to press against the Bengals. No. There's there's not this idea that you better play your one in a million game. You got to play your A++ game if you want to beat this team. It's not as though the Bengals are scoring 40 every time out against the Chiefs. It's just that the Chiefs have had some untimely mistakes and they allowed one guy to go nuclear against him. Aside from that, they played their game and they were up on the Bengals all three times. You don't have to play your perfect game. You just have to play your game And I promise you, you're good enough to beat this team. Guys, considering the weapons for the Bengals, do the Chiefs wide receivers have the luxury of not being a big factor for two straight games? Well, they barely mattered in that one against Jacksonville. And honestly, they didn't matter that much towards the end of the regular season. So I'm supposed to say right here, I think the answer is supposed to be, yeah, they need a big game out of a wide receiver. I don't care if it's MVS who had 76 yards and a deep catch in the last game or Juju Smith-Schuster who they signed to be their number one. But let me be blunt about this. Nope, they don't. You know why? Because last time I checked, Travis Kelsey still plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. And as long as he plays for the Chiefs, they don't need any wide receiver to step up step up in any way. Eight catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown is what Travis Kelsey averages over the last seven games in the playoffs. 
He is their number one wide receiver. He will put up the Jamar Chase numbers for you. What I will say you need out of the wide receiver group, which I didn't think you got nearly enough of out of that Jacksonville game, is a couple of timely catches. I don't need that much out of you. But if it's third and seven and they've quadruple teamed Travis Kelsey like they should, then you have to get the seven yard out, right? You got to get the slant route. You got to get us the first down and let us keep moving about our business. And I think they're more than equipped to do that. I think they're, they're the Bengals defensive coordinator. He was on actually the Pat McAfee show and he was talking about, he's like, you know, if they do that, he said, the thing I learned is if they do that ring around the Rosie play cover Travis Kelsey. And I want to remind you that that's not even who that touchdown went to. That touchdown went to Gadarius Tony on that play. So Lou's telling you, it doesn't matter how much weird stuff they do. If there's one person we have to do something about, it's Travis Kelsey. So to me, there's a certain amount of Travis Kelsey's going to get his. So you don't have to have a receiver have a huge game. But I do think they have to make timely catches for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think that's it too. I don't think you need anybody to go off for 80, 90 yards on seven or eight catches and a touchdown. Somebody will get their own. Like last week, it was Kadarius Tony, but that's sort of where I go to. Against the Jags, Tony's raw numbers weren't great, but he made two or three big plays in big moments. I think the other side of that is, if you remember the first time these teams faced, Pacheco had a nice game. Jarek McKinnon had a nice game. And you're coming off a game against the Jags where the, the rushing attack was really strong in that one as well. So it's not necessarily to me about the wide receivers, but going to what you just talked about, Cody, it's you need to find some combination of other skill players on offense having production. This cannot just be Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey 14 times like it was last week. Now, I I believe Kelsey will get his own, but knowing that they have multiple ways to beat you, including in the run game, Joe Mixon going up against what's been a pretty porous uh, run defense for the Chiefs this year. You've got to you've got to have that as well. You need to have something else going behind besides just Mahomes to Kelsey. The the one area that I am interested in the wide receivers more is the red zone, and that's not an area that they've been asked or called upon very often this year. But the Chiefs are because of the ankle injury, and I guess it just depends a little bit on where Mahomes' ankle is. We know on Wednesday he was a full participant. He's walking around and jogging on video and looks fine. But once they get into the game, the way they used Jarek McKinnon this last time, they weren't able to use him as the pass catcher, Nick, the way they did before. Okay, I mean, they, he was back there. He was pass protecting. He was doing a great job of it. That's why Mahomes only got hit once in the entire second half. But if he has to do the pass protection part, somebody else has to do the catching part. Travis Kelsey, again, is going to garner most of the attention in the red zone. Okay, so, you know, someone needs to go get one. Maybe that's Jody Fortson being activated, Nick. Maybe that's your guy. Maybe Jody Fortson will just there we go. Take, take take it for him, right? He'll like be like, I got you. That. I got you, Jarek. No big deal, man. I'll take the red zone targets on this one. You missed me for a few weeks, didn't you? No big deal. I got you, big guy. I like the idea of Jody Fortson calling someone a big guy as he is a, a giant human. But <laughs> the, you know, like whatever it is, they they're they're gonna have to find some extra targets there. And the wide receiver should be called upon in that spot. Quick tangent, speaking of the ankle, speaking of Pat McAfee, did you guys see him breaking down um, earlier in the week? Mahomes leaving the press conference on the big board. It was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's great. It's really okay. good. Look, I um, would probably at this point, based on his ankle, Kayla, I'd probably read a 500 word article on his gait. Just like, all right, look, I'm going to break this down step by step. This is where he walked <laughs> gingerly. This is where he didn't. Or this is where there was like a little less bend in this foot than the other one. I, I'd read the entire thing. Somebody wrote that. I'll read it. <laughs> All right, and now back to the question, quick follow-up. Is this the game they give Ju- gave Juju the money for? Yeah, yeah. 
You know, I didn't I didn't think about it till he was at the podium on Wednesday. He uh, he's like, you know, it's my first AFC title game. I'm like, oh yeah. And Juju for for all the things he does good, you know, he cares. Juju clearly cares about winning. Like it means something to him. Remember how hard he pushed his body to get back for what everyone knew was a meaningless wild card game against the Chiefs in which they were going to get stomped. Everyone knew it. It wasn't a mystery. Big Ben was done. Juju had every had no incentive to come back to play for one game. He was going to get the same amount of money one way or the other, and he pushed. He pushed and he pushed and he pushed because he wanted to play in that game. I think this could be a big Juju game. I don't know what the over-under in Vegas is, but I am tempted to take his over because I think this is exactly why they paid him. Well, you look at Juju's numbers, uh, nine catches for 112 yards. Do you guys know what stat line I'm referring to for Juju? No, I don't think so. Uh, those are his last four games combined. Ooh. I guess That's not one game like against a bad opponent? Guess what, though? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you have a big game in the AFC Championship game. Like, we, we, we just talked about this with Frank Clark. Don't care if you get six sacks in the regular season. If you get three in the postseason, don't care if Juju had a quiet finish to the regular season if he has a big game when it matters most. Don't care how much Sammy Watkins made his time in Kansas City because he made catches in the Super Bowl. So, yeah. fine I would, by me. I would say this, though, too, kind of like what we were just talking about with uh, – Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Like, I don't care if Chris Jones doesn't have a sack, if other guys are getting involved in bringing the quarterback down. Are we going to care if Juju has three catches for 29 yards, if Kadarius Toney has seven catches for 60 yards, or if MVS catches a deep ball, or Christian Watson, or any of these guys, right? That's sort of the, that's been the beauty of the Chiefs offense, is that one of the things we haven't had to worry about outside of Kelsey, I don't think we've talked about this one time this year. At no point have we said, well, so-and-so better have a big game or else the Chiefs won't win. Like, hey, this guy really needs to step up on offense. Otherwise, I don't know how this team's going to, you know, continue on offense. It has never mattered because it, going back to that training camp quote that we've referenced so many times, Patrick Mahomes was not kidding. He was not trying to fool us when he said it's going to be a different guy every week. Now, Juju plays more than all of them, so he has the greater opportunity but if that's the guy that defenses want to pay attention to on the outside and it opens up opportunities for Kadarius Tony or Justin Watson or MVS, do we really care all that much? As long as, as long as somebody's producing, as long as it's not one of those stretches where three and out, three and out, three and out, can't get anything going, at which point that's when you do start finger pointing and say, well, what about you? Mike, you were supposed to be the number one receiver. Those moments have been pretty few and far between. This is the number one scoring offense in the NFL. You have the MVP at quarterback. So it's not as though there have been a lot of those opportunities, but I think it only matters if things are going poorly. If the offense is moving the ball, then I don't really care who's doing it. All right. Guys, the Chiefs are the only team left with a negative turnover differential. We have avoided the turnover conversation all week, but can Casey avoid it again late this season? Well, they, they, um, the Bengals are only plus six. So, you know, just, just barely positive. <laughs> They're obviously this has been a problem for the chiefs all year, but not until the last couple of weeks, Nick, you gave those stats during Juju's numbers. That's pretty much how the chiefs have been the last four weeks. They're taking it away. They have a positive turnover differential over the final month of the season. They won the turnover battle against Jacksonville. They are better at it. I think they fixed it. I know that it doesn't seem like you can just fix those things, but Mahomes stopped giving it away and the special teams stopped completely melting down. 
Am I always a little worried in the back of my brain that it could come again? Yeah, I think that that's reasonable. And pointing out that they're the only negative differential team only really does one thing for me. It points out the anomaly they were the entire year. Because we, as a show, our show in Kansas City, this podcast, on social media, I pointed out a bunch of times, the company the Chiefs kept in the turnover differential, it was pretty hideous. It was a bunch of who's who's of teams not making the postseason, teams with a losing record, or teams picking in the top 10 of the NFL draft. But they bucked that trend. They won 14 games and it didn't slow them down. They won the division. They won 14 games. They were the number one seed. And now they're not turning it over. To me, I think they had a little bit of the turnover yips for a little bit. When they were in the middle of that nine-game stretch in a row of having it, they got in their own heads and they started making stupid mistakes. I think once they just got a game or two under their belt where they weren't giving it away every other play, they were fine. I really think that I'm not as worried about that now as I was going into the postseason. There's other ways they can lose, but I'm not nearly as panicked about it as I was going in to the postseason. You know, what's so weird is that Mahomes didn't have any turnovers in that first game for the Bengals. Yeah. It was just, mm. it was just the Kelsey fumble. I think, yeah, I think he's got like five interceptions since week 12. So the last two months of the season and three of those came in that Bengal or that uh, uh, Broncos game which was obviously a win. So it's so tough to try and figure out like what I'm supposed to care about and what I'm supposed to just sort of dismiss, but I don't really care about fumbles. Like you can't predict those. And even if you think that is an issue, it's not something you're going to fix in one week. It's not going to be like they're out there saying, okay, so you want to tuck Kelly, Kelsey, hey, Trav, come here. So when you catch the ball, you want to want to tuck it right there in the elbow. Make sure nobody, <laughs> it's Travis Kelsey. Nobody's telling him about technique and how to avoid fumbles. And the one thing, the one thing I'm scared of, special teams. I don't oh, care yeah. about, I'm not scared about Mahomes. I'm not scared about this offense at all. Like I'm tired of nitpicking the number one scoring offense in the NFL. Like they've kind of done their job. They've held up their end of the bargain. The one thing that I still get a little bit nervous when I think about is, is there a special teams miscue looming in one of these games? Because I said it earlier in the season. Don't say it out loud. Okay, well, it's too late. You should have said that before <laughs> you asked the question. Nick was already in the middle of the sentence. <laughs> Save me from myself. But that's why I'm I said, trying. like, if the Chiefs season does not end in a Super Bowl, I think it will be because of a special teams miscue. And I pray to God that I'm wrong, but that's, but wouldn't you guys agree? Like if the chief season yeah, yeah. ends prematurely, what's the it, most likely scenario? That's another this be, special teams issue. Would this be a bad time to point out that in the three point loss, the chiefs had to Cincinnati earlier this year that Harrison Butker missed a kick. Mm. Bad, bad time, bad time to bring that up or good time. Yes. Uh, worst time actually to get, to, to get it out of the way now. So it won't happen again. You know, why the last time. Butker's fine now. I've decided. He had one game. He <laughs> He's back. Kicks, and we're good. He's so back. He's back. Okay. He's back. Hey, last two games. Seven for seven on extra points. Three for three on field goals. He's back, baby. We're good. Hey, and let's not forget, he had a tackle against Jacksonville. Although, so, in fairness, that was not great that he kicked that ball so short. But we'll let that part go. He made the tackle. So made up cares? for it. He made up for it. Yeah, he actually hasn't missed an extra point since the Houston game. Like, guys are going to miss field goals. At least he's not missing the chip shots. He hasn't missed one since that Houston game. Knock on wood if there's anything near you. I'm actually, the, the table I'm sitting on is an old wood table. piano bench. <laughs> so convenient. 
All right, guys, we're going to move on. Also, I say all right an obnoxious amount of times. I hate that about myself when you listen back afterwards. I say all right. All right, what's that? What's that? Let's see if we can fix it for you. What's a good substitution for all right? I need to put a quarter in the jar or something. How about you give it an okie dokie? (laughs) Just kind of mix that in. Move along. Just like make a big motion. Yeah, that'll make it seem more. We'll come up with a, a list of transitions you can start peppering in. Thank you. Okie dokie, guys. <laughs> what's, what's, the biggest, <laughs> what's the biggest matchup you'll be paying attention to on Sunday? Pick anything. So there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple of matchup advantages, but I think the one I'm the most interested in is Jamar Chase versus Trent McDuffie. I don't think it's going to go head-to-head the entire time. I definitely think they're going to move Snead on him too. But the difference in the Chiefs passing defense with and without McDuffie is significant. I understand that Joe Burrow still put up some pretty good stats against um, against the Chiefs, and he did. There's no doubt about it. He had a good game this last time out. But the difference between when he's on the field for the Chiefs and not on the field for the Chiefs is, I mean, very simply put, pretty monumental. Without him, they won. They were they won four of their six games. No big deal. But they were allowing 313 passing yards per game, two and a half passing touchdowns per game. With him on the field, 206 passing yards per game, less than 60% completion, and only allowing a touchdown and a half, and allowing five less points per game. Look, McDuffie's not all that. Some of that's the opponent. Some of that's the defense playing better. But their secondary is different with McDuffie. And I want to see how they hang. Healthy now, right? Nobody's coming back from an injury. No one just had one a little bit ago, whatever. It is everybody. It is Williams. It is Watson. It is McDuffie. It is Snead. I want to see McDuffie get some time on Jamar Chase, even though he's so much bigger than him, or against Higgins. I just want to see him have to do it against top in talent because I think I think McDuffie is, like we talked about before, I think McDuffie is kind of that guy. I think he's got a chance to be that kind of guy. This would be his first chance to really show it. Kayla, do you have an answer top of mind? Because I don't want to steal yours in case because I kind of have two and I can't decide which one I'm I'm more interested in. I'm not going player if that helps you. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, then let's hear it. Hang on, I'm doing quick math. Okay. <laughs> Cody, Cody, what's your favorite color? Blue? I don't know. That okay, feels, okay. I don't know. We're, That's we're, not right. We're, All right. Oh, that was, that was we're good. I am looking to the sidelines in Andrew Reed and Zachary Taylor. Wow, full names. Full names. It's just, in my opinion, there's just... There's nothing here. Like Andy Reid, every time. 24 years as a head coach, taking on someone who's been a head coach for three, four years. Um, there was a tweet earlier this week that I really liked. Uh, Sam McDowell said, Andy Reid said the Bengals should feel confident after three wins against the Chiefs. And at the end adds, we're still going to play the game. The guy never loses his humor. I just think he is the best. Um, and we're going to let the play on the field speak for itself. I would like to point out Andy that- Reed. I don't think we should be forced to take any adult seriously who spells Zach Z-A-C. I, I don't no. think, I, I just think that that should be established now. I should not Except be forced. Except for Zach Hansen. I should not be forced to, he's a handsome though. I can't take him seriously as an adult. <laughs> like as an adult, I can't take you seriously. If you spell your name Z-A-C, it's it. Like I get it. At some point I'm going to be 50 years old and someone's going to be like, you can't be 50 and named Cody. It's cool. Yeah, I'm just going to go by my middle name, Bancroft. I understand the position Zach Taylor is in. But I refuse to take Bancroft. Yeah, <laughs> you either. Yeah. You so like Cody's a twelve-year-old's name and Bancroft's a ninety-five-year-old's name. So, and, and Cody, I'm glad that you got out in front of that because I hope you know that I was ready to assassinate you with the Cody joke. Oh, okay, good. I I covered my own self there. 
Smart. Yeah, you're too quick. Yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> that's a, that was a headsy play by you. Um, so I'm going to go with sort of, it's somewhat similar to yours, Cody, but I think it is different. Steve Spagnolo versus the Bengals offensive line. We know what Spags does blitzing the quarterback, and we know specifically uh, with these exotic blitz packages and, and disguising where guys are coming from, he's going to send Legereus Sneed at you. He's going to send one Thornhill at you. He's going to move guys around. He'll put Chris Jones on the inside, Chris Jones on the outside. He may send Nick Bolton one time. This is one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL in Cincinnati. They they did a lot to address it in the offseason. Guys got banged up, but Joe Burrow tied for fifth in the NFL with sacks this year. The Chiefs, as we know, second in the NFL with sacks. This would seem like a perfect matchup, and I know, I know we talked about this the first time around, and I don't think the Chiefs got at him very much, but here's why it matters this time around, because we do this a lot with quarterbacks who can sort of transcend things, like with Mahomes. It's like, hey, when the play is dead, well, he can make these plays. It's never dead. He can always, you know, operate outside of the structure of the play. With Burrow, it's been, man, he gets sacked a lot, but it doesn't seem to matter. Remember the divisional round last year when he got sacked nine times by the Titans and he took a beating, but it didn't matter. And he's talked about it a lot where he said, you know what? I'm just willing to hang in there till the very, very last split second if I think it's going to help us make a make a play and the and when you do that enough and you win enough we sort of start to turn you into this mythical being to say like nothing can stop this guy he's just built different he is able to withstand pressure and sacks and still come out on top i'm here to tell you guys he is not a mythical being i've got decades of data that suggest if you get sacked a lot you're going to lose Right, That's one of the most pivotal things that can happen in a game. If you get after the quarterback, you end drives early, you get them behind the sticks, and it's really tough to come back from. I am very, very interested to see what Spags does against a quarterback who he knows is vulnerable and susceptible to taking hits. So I almost went you know, Chiefs D-line versus Bengals offensive line, but it's more so about Spags because I trust the guys. I trust Chris Jones. I trust Frank Clark, but I'm going to be most interested to see what is the game plan that Spags does? Because we know how the scripts have went with Spags all year long, which is first two drives, the other team's offense moves right up the field, and all of a sudden, everybody on Twitter is like, fire Spags, what's he doing? I can't believe he's still the defensive coordinator. And then what happens? It gets kind of quiet, because the second half rolls around, and all of a sudden, three and out, three and out, three and out. The defense has stood really tall for most of the season, but the Bengals has sort of been the outlier. I just have a hard time thinking that's going to continue and I just want to see how often and how successful the Chiefs are going to be at getting after Joe Burrow. I forgot to say an obvious one. It's not necessarily a head-to-head matchup, but Mahomes versus Burrow. Which brings me, guys, to this question. What do you think is the Chiefs' biggest advantage over the Bengals? I mean, other than Travis Kelsey, who might be the biggest mismatch in the NFL. Um, but I think we spent a lot of time on him. I really, honestly, I know that... Um, the Chiefs offensive line gets trashed a lot, but it's going to be a huge advantage in this game. I know we're getting ready to do our predictions, so we'll kind of admit what we think happens in the game, but I understand tackle's been a little bit of an issue this year for this team. The Bengals' leading sack guy has eight and a half sacks in Trey Henderson. The next closest has five. They don't get pressure. They're third worst in the NFL. The Chiefs have the most dominant interior defensive line. The problem was against Cincinnati last time, not that they couldn't run it with Pacheco, but that they didn't run it enough. They have a big advantage on the offensive line. I think they can shove them around. And just simply put, if they give Mahomes time, 
Doesn't matter how his ankle feels. He rates, this is this always surprises people, in the NFL this year and on aggregate over the last three seasons. Do you know who rates as the number one passer in the NFL when inside the pocket? It's Patrick Mahomes. Nobody rates better, just him. So it's not like it's a bad thing if he gets stuck back there. Like, hey man, no running around this time. You got to stand back there and throw. That's not a problem. And for an offense that is more equipped than ever to take the short passing attack and the yak yardage and all this stuff, I think the offensive line is a huge advantage for the Chiefs in this game. Yeah, I'm sorry to piggyback on you, and normally I would just switch my answer, but (laughs) I guess maybe I'll add to it a little bit. It's the trenches. Yeah. We do this a lot. You fall in love with like teams with really good receivers and really good cornerbacks and really good uh, you know, running backs. Remember a couple of years ago when the Browns were sort of like the sexy sleeper pick yeah. in the preseason? They just got Odell Beckham Jr. And Baker Mayfield was coming off of a really strong season, I think, as a rookie. And you had Jarvis Landry and you had Nick Chubb. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, wow, okay, this team's really good. They were the worst offensive line in the NFL, and they couldn't get after the quarterback. It's sort of a college cliche. It's why, like, Oklahoma wins the Big 12 every year because they kill you up front. Like, KU has D3 players on the offensive line. They've got a bunch of future first-round picks on their defensive line. And I feel like on both sides of the ball, the Chiefs have a massive advantage. And you go back and look at some of the teams who fell short of expectations this year. The Broncos were a really sexy pick. What happened? They were the worst offensive line in the NFL. Well, Nick- and quickly, like, go back to the team, the other teams that are in the NFL. Hey, what are what are the Eagles and the 49ers really good at, Nick? Yeah. Where, where are they really good? Yeah. The trenches, both of those teams. Right. And so you look at the you, you look at the the sort of inverse of that, right? People wondered if the Colts might be good this year with Matt Ryan. Worst offensive line, worst defensive line. That's why they're a top five pick in the NFL draft this year. And that's not to say that the Bengals have no chance against the Chiefs, but we do tend, when we talk about rosters, like who's the better team, we always go to weapons. We always, always, always go to weapons. Why do you think the Eagles and the 49ers are in the NFC Championship game? The Eagles have the best offensive line in the league. They led the league in sacks. Like Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate, but that was an incredible roster. The same thing. Why do you think, how was Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game? because they have one of the best offensive lines and one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. That will win you a lot of games this time of year. And this is the time of year, as we saw with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl two years ago, where if you're not strong in the trenches, you start to get exploited. That, to me, is the biggest advantage the Chiefs have over the Bengals. They are better on both sides of the ball in the trenches. Fire me up, Nick. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) That felt very motivational. Um, Guys! Let's do our predictions. Who's going first? Okay. Well, just in case Nick says Cincinnati wins, I'll go first <laughs> so that we can boo him later <laughs> and we don't have to do it. Um, I'm choosing the Chiefs, uh, largely because of the things we just talked about. I I know a lot of people just been like, Cincinnati's a better team, but I think that that's what's happening. People are looking at their weapons and saying, that's a better team. Wrong. There are whole other parts of teams that matter. And the Chiefs are good in those areas. And they still have Mahomes. And I don't think that ankle is going to drag him down enough to do it. I think all these games are ugly. I think all these games come down to the final possession. But I'll stand by what I said with McDuffie earlier and his time to shine. McDuffie makes a big pick in the third or fourth quarter. It is the swing play of the game for this team. Chris Jones gets his first sack and the monkeys off the back. And the Chiefs scrape one by. They get the 27-24 victory this time. 
Who is your MVP pick for the game? The AFC Championship MVP. I think I'm going to go Trent McDuffie. I know that the rookie is not a common thing, but that's a theme for this team. I don't think he's They're starting the MVP. a million rookies. I don't think he's been the MVP for one game this year for the Chiefs. Though. I don't think so either, but he missed half the season and he's great. All right, so um, I think I've kind of been hint leading towards my answer, and I know that you guys are sort of uh, your snake bit. You, you feel like I'm about to tell you that the Bengals are going to win this game because I said the Chiefs don't have Super Bowl vibes, and you know I don't like being predictable. I don't like it when you guys know yeah. what I'm about to say. But I've been hinting towards it this whole episode, and if you guys haven't picked up on it by now, I, I don't know what else to tell you. The Chiefs are winning this football game. Woo! Right. It's for everything. I refuse to buy into this idea that because the Bengals have better receivers than the Chiefs, that all of a sudden they're the better team. Like, find me all the other advantages that the Bengals have. They don't have the better quarterback. They don't have the better coach. They don't have a better offensive line. They don't have a better defensive line. You want to get into conversations about the secondary? That's fine. But I do think this game will be one up front. And I do think this game is won if and when the Chiefs get after Joe Burrow. So I am taking the Chiefs 31, Bengals 24. And I'm, and I'm going to keep speaking this until, into existence until it finally happens. MVP, Chris Jones. Two All right. Doesn't just get it off, the monkey off his back. Gets after him twice. And the Chiefs go on to the Super Bowl for the third time in four years. Please let that happen on Sunday. Oh my <laughs> It'd be a very I will be the happiest. I'll be amazing. Whew. Well, Nick, that that is a relief. I would just like the records to show I have picked the Chiefs winning every game this year. <laughs> I only picked against them twice, so you had a pretty good run. To be fair, you've <laughs> only been wrong three times. Okay, well. Yeah, and I guess I've been wrong. I think I picked them to lose one that they won and lose one that they lost, but that's it. Fair. I've been saying it all week. I just have a good feeling about this game. I feel like everything is swinging in our direction. Momentum, the trash talking, the ankle, all of it. I think that we are going to come out firing on all cylinders on Sunday. I am so excited for this game. I would love it if we could get like a little bit of a comfortable lead. Um, These close games just are not great for my health. Although they've gotten a comfortable lead a couple of times. Part of me thinks if it's just close the whole time, I might feel better. Actually, that's true. With this team, no. Girly. We don't want to comfortable lead. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> Unless it's like a 30-point lead. Yeah. yeah um, do we think we can get 30? I have 30-27. I'm staying away from 27-24 because that's the score in which they've beaten us the last yeah, two Yeah, but that, wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be so poetic? Yeah. Well, Third time's a charm? Score. Yeah. Yeah, come on. You don't get to win every game that's decided by a field goal. It's our turn. That's true. I'm I'm teetering between 27 24 or 30 27. I like 30 27. Put him in the 30s okay. like Nick. Hey, by the okay. way, by the way, you know what? I'm since I'm I'm kind of annoyed with the, some of the narratives that are going around. If the Bengals if the Bengals are the better team, if they have more weapons on offense, if Joe Burrow is on the cusp of uh being the best quarterback in the NFL, why were the Bengals what seventh in the NFL in scoring this year? I'm just curious because if they're that good of a team, wouldn't they be first? Okay, but if not first, how about second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth? There were six other teams who scored more points than the Bengals did this year. 
Uh, can somebody explain to me why it is that we're treating them as a juggernaut and we're seating, uh, treating the Chiefs as this team that just like, doesn't have that much firepower on offense? Because they haven't lost since Halloween. That's why. That's that's what I think that's really what's swinging people's opinion on it, yeah. honestly, Nick. But it's like some of those games are like, wow, that 21-18 win against the Titans. I mean, wow. I'm, I mean, personally, I'm blown away. But the rest of us, people who watched, uh, I think that might have been a Joshua Dobbs game. It's like, uh, you know. I'm, and you I'm know okay. what? And you know what? I'm going to feel bad no matter what if the Chiefs lose. So I might as well just talk a bunch of shit right now because it's not going to matter. If we're doing a podcast. They won't I'm, care. Sunday, I'm going to be sad no matter what. I'm not even going to go there mentally. Good. Also, I didn't, my, I didn't pick my MVP. Yeah, who you got? Just basically everyone on offense. Um, going Kelsey. I'm going Pacheco. I'm going Juju. Let's have a hundred yards for all of them. Just yes. I want. You know what I want? I want a Kadarius Tony absolute okay. blowout. Like yes. I want. Antonio. I don't want just like a night because he's been, he played really well against Jacksonville, right? He was second on the team in receiving yards behind Kelsey. I want a big Tony game. I want like 85 yards on six catches for a touchdown. Is that unrealistic? Let's throw in Watson too. He is their big play guy in fairness. Justin Watson is the guy they like to throw down the field. So that's not even impossible. (laughs) Let's have all of these things happen on Sunday. Do it. Please and thank you. All right, guys. We'll be back with you all on Monday. We'll either be very happy or very sad. This is It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. That is Cody Tapp. He is Nick Schwartz. I am Kayla Canaram. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. And yes, we will be back with you on Monday.